When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery free in terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans. Danilo's free, and it goes to Gibbs White. First time we've seen them attack them, and there's Brendan! side of the tread as we look back on the first half of the season as Forest look to make it a third season in the Premier League as they sit 15th on 20 points, four points above the relegation zone uh, and here to go through the mid-season review, hopefully joined by a late Alan Rogers. potentially, we, we're, we're unsure at the, at the moment in time. I know he had a, a grievance yesterday with, with, with one of his horses, unfortunately, but as ever joined by the motley crew of Lee Clark, Reese Lane, and Christian Brown. Hope you're all well this morning, chaps. Uh, let's start off the bat. Um, I just want everyone's thoughts on like what you think of the season so far. Really, like let's just like a, a, a quick Lee Clark esque slept on it thoughts for mid season review. And Lee, we'll start with you. Seeing it's your trademark. Um, probably about par for the course. I reckon. I think. We probably could have more points. You look at, say, Luton, for example, when we threw the lead away. And I think we've all said that if we'd not thrown that lead away, we probably would have picked up a few more points uh, in the aftermath of that. So, but I think if you if you if you kind of if you threw all of our results up into the air and they came back down in perhaps a different order, you'd say that after 20 games being 15, five points clear of the relegation zone, I think the realistic fans amongst us would kind of say that's about where we expected to be at this stage. Um, football fans always want more, don't they? But I think given the start we had with the tough fixtures away from home, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty happy to say that I think that I didn't really expect us to be any higher at this stage and I'd have been extremely disappointed if we'd been any lower, I guess. Reese, have you got anything to add to that? And, that and, and I suppose another kind of caveat to that is, did you expect us to have a managerial change this time? Um, well, I mean... The first point, it, it, it's one of them in football, isn't it? You kind of, from our perspective, always look at the games where we should have won. Obviously, the, the major one is the Luton one, isn't it? You also look, I think, as I know we didn't play well on the night, but with how Burnley's done this season, I think to not beat them at home was a really poor result. But then as well, on the flip, you beat Newcastle away where 
you know, that's kind of three bonus points. And Manchester United at home, you maybe would have thought, yeah, we could probably get something against them, but a win with our record against them was um, a really good result. So probably tiniest bit disagree with Lee, maybe a win behind um, would have been nice, but because we are we are greedy, aren't we, as Forest fans? I mean, what was it? Gary Lineker called us Christian the other day on his podcast. Neediest, oh, so we're the most, the most neediest fan base in uh, the Premier League, yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the table now. Um, it would have been nice to kind of be like seven points above the drop, wouldn't it, rather than the four. But, I mean, I did predict us in pre-season to finish 15th, but that was before we had that influx of signings um, and obviously Brennan Johnson's departure. So, um, yeah, we'll see. There's obviously optimism going into the you know, second half of the season that hopefully the Blackpool game was just one of them cup games and we can write that wrong on Wednesday night and the Brentford game's winnable. If we can go there and win, that would be an absolutely massive win. Absolutely massive win with them below us now. Um, and what what was your other question, second part of your question, Adam? Did you expect us to have a managerial change this time? Um, well, if you, if you said to me, we're going to win one in 13, then my answer would have been simply yes, because... As I've said before, you know, if Pep Guardiola's won one in 13, he's out the door. You know, it, it's it's not what you're doing for me then, it's what you're doing for me now, unfortunately, in football. It's a results-based business and unfortunately, Steve just wasn't getting the results, was he? And plus decisions, really, you know, the Gibbs White on the wing and, you know, there's a few players being isolated who've come back into the team and done well so far under Nuno. It's, yeah, it's obviously at the minute looking to be the right decision, isn't it? So, on the form, what we was on, mate, and the investment again as well. You know, you know, we're pinching last sixteen Champions League teams' best, better players, um, for example. <laughs> so, yeah, if if you would have said they were those were the parameters, mate, yeah, I would have said there would have been a change, definitely. Yeah. Well, we're delighted to get on, Mister Alan Rogers. Tank, you all right? Sorry, boys, I've totally forgot. I had a bit of a strange day, but yeah, he's all good. Yeah, yes, thanks for well. coming on, mate. Thanks for Jeez, coming on, Alan. Um, we, we're just talking about uh, the season so far, Alan. What what sh- what have you made of it so far? Uh, just off the bat, like uh, we've had a managerial change. We might have probably not won as many games as we'd like to. Think what what's your early thoughts of the season? Yeah, I just caught the back end. Of it. I mean, look, it's it's the Premier League so cutthroat, isn't it? You know, it's I'd say apart from like what you'd call the invincibles, like your Klopp's probably and your Guardiola, I think they're the, probably only the two they're two invincibles managerial wise. I think any manager's only three or four results away from pressure or the stack. It's just the it's the the nature of the beast, and unfortunately for for Steve, it was kind of like. You couldn't let it go on. I don't think. It, for me personally, I think he's he's he was an unbel- he's an unbelievable for Forrest to get them back up to the Premier League. But it, it was on a slippery slope, and you couldn't really. You're kind of looking and thinking, where's the next result going from? And like every team and every manager who's struggling, you kind of like went. I was watching the Forest games, and it was kind of like. The it, let, let's let's not concede and let's not get beat. Um, and I don't think the Forest players who, who who they've got are them type of players. You can't have like you've got some good talented players who need to express themselves. And I just although it was, I didn't want him to go, but I feel he had to go in the end. And I do like I do like Nuno. I've got to be honest with you. I don't think he gets the credit what he deserves for what he's done at Wolves. I mean, two top seven finishes is you know it's amazing. 
Yeah. So, uh, well, Christian, you you had your reservations about Nuno Espirito Santo. Um, what what like what's your what's your indications of the season so far? And then also, what has your opinion changed at all on on him so, uh, in the early stages? It's still very difficult to say. It's only been what three four games. I mean, what what we saw in the first half against Blackpool is kind of what I expected to be blanket across the boards. So, but obviously we obviously redeemed that fairly quickly against Blackpool. So, yeah, it's looking definitely looking a lot better. We've been a lot braver. I think it's like um, it's much like when Cooper first came in, he just seemed to have like lifted the handbrake off on a few players and sort of gone like, you know, let's try and attack teams rather than, albeit in a more sort of like controlled way. I mean, we very much played in the counter attack at Newcastle against Man United, but that's fine. Like that suit is just fine, and against the better teams and the more expensive teams, that's what we kind of have to do. But it just—it's nice watching Forest and thinking, oh, you can see we've got a game plan. You can see what we're trying to do. You can see how we're going to try and break teams down. Whereas, like before, like what Alan just said, like we just sort of tried not to concede and try and nick a goal wherever we could. So I think maybe you have to be a bit more you know, tactically aware in the Prem because it is very ruthless, and we are starting to see signs of that now, which is very timely. Yeah, uh, something I did want to address, and I mean, everyone can jump in at this at any given moment, but I wanted to ask you this, Alan, about the goalkeeping situation. Now, there's a big debate whether Matt Turner is, is the number one or, or the Greek fellow of Lacadimos is the number one. As as a player, um, would you ever like consider maybe not giving the ball back to a goalkeeper because he's so useless with his feet, or does that kind of completely go out of your mindset? And Because I don't know if you've watched this season, but any time no, the ball goes it. back... <laughs> Forest fans get very, very nervous when the ball's at Matt Turner's feet because it's like a hot potato. Yeah, well, look, I mean, I played with two good keepers, you know, where Big Norm was decent with his feet and Bess was, you know, Bess was, was a huge presence, you know. But the thing with Bess was like, he wouldn't be, you know, the, there's a good saying what Mickey Adams used to say in football is keep simple, stupid. If you're not good at something, don't fucking do it. You know, just don't do it. Like, Matt, he, he's, he's not a bad keeper, but he is. He is one of the worst I've ever seen with the ball at his feet. Now, the way Nuno wants to play and the way football is now is, it sounds terrible to say this, he can't be in goal for Forrest. He simply can't. He has to be replaced because he's costing, like, the Man United game for me where, you know, I thought Forrest were actually superb and were in full control of that game. But Man United also have got quality plays and if, when you've got a keeper who's going to give you the leg up like that and give the opposition a boost... You just can't do it. It, it. it could be the difference between, you know, comfortable Premier League survival or relegation. And look, I think Nuno will address that in this window and I think he'll address it sharply. Unfortunately, it's cutthroat, but he can't be in goal for Forrest the rest of this season. Otherwise, he will cost many, many points. Yeah, definitely. I think Christian will, will uh, <laughs> like, like that point. Um, Leo, I wanted to ask you about um, keepers as well. Like, Do you think we need a new keeper this transfer window? As much as I think we need one, um, I think everything that Alan's just said makes a lot of sense. But I just, I personally can't see the club justifying another 10, 15 million when we've spent 20 million on two keepers. Yeah, quite rightly, they're not up to it. But I just don't, I think we've got other areas of the squad that the club will look at and Nuno will probably look at. Um, the only situation I can see us getting a keeper is if Jose Sar wants to come. Because obviously Nuno had him at Wolves. Might be an easier deal to do. It might be a little bit cheaper. But I just can't see I just can't see the club justifying another 10, 15 million doesn't sound a lot in the grand scheme of things, Premier League survival, that sort of thing. But it's just not I think we need a striker more urgently. I think we probably need a centre back. Um so there's other areas of the squad that I think 
the club will see as more of a priority than getting another goalkeeper in. Yeah, yeah I mean the, the, the fullback area is is also uh, left back more so than anything. I mean, Alan, you you might have thrived in this modern era being a bombing left back. I mean, we we put a little highlights thing of your goals, and then there was yeah. that one season where you were top scorer with eleven in the league, I think it was. But what have you made of like the left back situation? Because that's chopped and changed so many times. You've had Aina play there, Toffolo there, Tavares play there, and then the other side you've had. Nico Williams, Montiel, Aina play there as well. Sergio that's it's all a bit all over the shop, isn't it? It is. I mean, I'd love to play this either because you, you don't have to defend. <laughs> <laughs> if you shit to defend and you get away with it, it's great. <laughs> but yeah, see, I know I know what you're saying about there's other areas, but for me, Forrester overloads in, in a number of areas. And I just think if you can get a good set, you know, Nuno, he'll have a picture in his mind where he, you know he know which is the better the better full backs to play in each position. But you've just said there, Forrest have got two two players in the full back areas to prefer, you know in each position. So I I personally think it, it's that key for the goalkeeper area. And there's Nunes as well, you know Nuno he'll know this. I think I think a, a goalkeeper is an, an absolute paramount for Forrest. I genuinely do. I think the struggling that bad in this in this area. And the problem is. It's not just the goalkeeper, you know, his confidence looks shot to pieces. It's the players, it's the back four. The back four. When you when when you're playing with it, it's someone who's like, I mean, let's get it right. He's he's an absolute car crash at the minute. You you're adapting your game to like try not to give him the ball and then that that can make mistakes in other areas. You know, if I'm if I'm playing left back and I've just I've got no other option but to go back to my goalkeeper, in the back of my mind I'm thinking, can't go back to him. And then you're trying to force a pass what's not there, and then it, it it can make mistakes throughout the other areas of the back four. And I just think it's that it's paramount. I think Forrest, by hook or by crook, they have to get a new number one um, who's better than what's already there in this transfer window. Reese, have you got anything to add, or Christian? I think, like to be fair, um, we saw that in this first game, didn't we? With Williams, Williams was so hesitant to play the ball back to Turner, and then within three four seconds, he's rushed, has to give it back to him. And Turner just gives it straight to Kulisewski and they score anyway. So it's it, uh, we definitely need a keep. I mean, I still maintain the Greek hasn't had a fair crack of the whip and he obviously can kick. But then it's like one extreme to the other. You've got a keeper that Forest fans believe can't make saves and a, a keeper that Forest fans see can't kick. It's sort of like, you know, we need a sort of middle ground somewhere where we can get someone who can actually do the job in goal. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the loan market's also an option, which is something they went into last season, wasn't it, in January when, you know, Henderson got injured and they kind of thought Wayne Hennessy, who was brought in as a number two, wasn't kind of going to be up to being a number one. And obviously, Kano Navas come in. Um, I'm not sure if that's something that the club can look at and then readdress it in the summer. Um, you know, I'm sure there will be, I think the top one would be Aaron Ramsdale, but I'm not sure whether Arsenal would let him go on loan. But a Euros is coming up and he'll want to play, won't he? So, who knows? It's, it's, but I agree with Alan and Christian, and you know, me and Christian have been pretty aligned in the last few weeks about turning on his pod. With the mistakes he's made, I think it's too much of a risk. And like Alan said, if it's a difference between staying in this league and going down, it's something that the club have got to address, really, even if it does cost them £10 million. I feel so indifferent about the goalkeeping situation because I feel like if we score more goals than the other team, we might be all right. And like Turner's okay at shot stopping and I don't bloody know. It's it's all, I guess it breeds confidence from the back, I guess. I, I think that's what you're trying to say, Alan, isn't it? That if you've got a good goalkeeper at the back, it kind of, it's that spine of the team and, and everyone else is kind of relaxed a little bit more, I guess, in, in terms of everyone can play. 
It is. I mean, you know, as a, as a back five unit with your keeper, you know, you, you've all got to have trust in each other. And, you know, just by watching the games that I've seen Forrest this season, there's no trust in the goalkeeper. You know, yeah, he will make saves. Don't but I don't want to sound like Roy Keane, but that's his job. He's there to make saves. <laughs> but when when you're just looking for, you know, and let's get it right, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the good teams in the Premier League, the top boys, the, the counter pressure is phenomenal. So when you're getting put under pressure as a back four, you know, you keep as your spare man, your extra man. And it's it's so when that's in the that see the doubts there, you're not going to use them. And I, I can guarantee you, the left back, the right back, the two centre halves, you they'll end up making mistakes if this keeper situation is addressed and they get caught in the ball because they don't want to go back to the keeper. It's, it's yeah. for me, it's paramount. To, I don't think Forrest are in any danger this season because I do think that I do think he's a top manager. I mean, he never got a chance at Wool at Tottenham, you know, he was already got told he's coming in, he's got nothing to spend. Uh, I, I genuinely think he's a top man, a top manager, and he's got the connection with the big uh, Portuguese um, agent. You know, wherever he's gone, he's brought some. He has brought some of the best Portuguese talent into into the, like particularly Wolves. So, I'd like to see him get a top keeper in, and then you know get to survive and then see what Nuno can do. I think Forrest would be in a good place under this manager. I really do. Yeah, um, I mean, with midfield as well, Lee, we've, we've obviously, there's been, been rumours that Oramangala might be leaving, but it's been quite a hit and miss season in terms of midfield. We bought Ibrahim Sangare and he's not kind of got up and running. Danilo's been very stop-start. Dominguez has been in and out of the team. Ryan Yates looks like the only consistent one this season, and even he's had a few ups and downs as well. Yeah, I mean, fair play to him. I mean, it, we... I mean, it's been said before, hasn't it? But it's another manager that's yet again picked Ryan Yates. So it's certainly a string to his bow, that is. Um, and it's not a surprise. I mean, we've, we've said all along that he's probably the first into training. He's probably the last to leave. He's just a manager's dream for me, Ryan Yates. I just get the impression that he's the model professional and someone that every manager wants, at least in the squad, if he's not playing every week. Um, what I would say about Mangala is it'd be a shame because I think he's probably been our most consistent midfielder this season. Um, but if there's one area on the pitch where Forrest can afford to lose a player, it probably is in centre midfield. Um, and you, I, I mean, it's difficult because I think a club like Forrest, you're always going to have to kind of do your business a little bit different. So whereas a club like City, Liverpool, the, the Sky Six, if you like, will sign players and they'll keep them for years and they'll progress with them. I think if you're in the bracket where Forrest are, you're always going to have players and then you might have to sell them, them players to to meet the financial fair play stuff and and the, the, the challenge is getting a fee and then signing someone who's can potentially do the same job for a much smaller fee um rinse and repeat sort of thing so yeah it'd be a shame um but obviously when you've got clubs like napoli and juventus knocking on your door that's naturally going to make mangala think yeah do you know what ahead of the euros that would be a good move for me obviously it wouldn't be cup tied for the european competitions either so it's it's a shame it's always never nice to lose good players but um He's obviously going to go to a, a much bigger club by the looks of it. And the challenge for Forrest is to... I, I've said that with Nuno wanting to play a 4-2-3-1, I just think Mangala perhaps lacks a little bit of pace to be a regular in that team, um, in that system, should I say. So it, Nuno doesn't clearly doesn't fancy him. Um, so, yeah, it is what it is, I guess. It, that, that's just the, the nature of the beast with modern-day football, I suppose. Yeah. Reese, do you think that could have also been like maybe we've had that interest in Mangala a little bit before Nuno's come in and maybe that's probably what's kind of triggered him to say, well, if you're not going to be part of my plans and we're going to sell you, then I'm going to give Dominguez Dinero that running running the team to to get up to speed with how he wants to play or or 
Yeah, I mean, possibly he, he might have, he might want to heave for all we know. You know, his agent might be on the phone and say, look, Juve, Napoli and Galatasaray are all, all looking to sign you in January. I mean, Galatasaray dropped into Europa League. Uh, Napoli's still in the Champions League. I think they play Real Madrid, if I um, remember correctly. Um, I'm not sure about Juve because they've had issues, haven't they, with European football, if they're still in Europe or not. Um, so, yeah, and it might have been, look, I, I fancy that and, my point was as well with the Euros coming, um, he'll want to be playing regularly because I think he'll probably get in the squad, but he'll want to be starting for Belgium, you know, in um, that tournament in Germany. So we, we, we kind of don't know, aren't we? It's kind of guesswork, whether it's Nuno not fancy him or he might have asked to leave, but it would be a shame to see him go. But if he, if he's a player who wants to leave, all the club can do is just get the best, you know, negotiations for us to move forward, really. That, I think that's like like Lee said. That's all you can kind of do, to be honest. Yeah, Christian, do you know if it's not a a a loan and it is a like straight up sale, where where would you like to see that money invested other other than the goalkeeper? Um, probably a winger. I think we need more than anything else. I think we need another winger. We're very like the um, if Alanga or Hudson Odoi get injured, we're sort of pushing a square peg into a round hole. Oh, it's either Domingo's plays there, or we look at maybe pushing the Nino up there, or it's not necessarily particularly comfortable lack of depth we've got there so I think that's definitely something we need to address I do disagree quite a lot on what those uh, recently have just said on Mangala though I think one of the reasons we signed him was because of how athletic and mobile he is so I, I don't, this notion that you know he's not quick enough to play in a 4 2 3 one, I just don't buy I, I really don't um, as for the Belgian thing he's been playing week in week out in the Premier League so that's not going to help it hurt his chances of starting games I think that it's interesting that Napoli and Obviously, Napoli have got Anguissa are going to AFCON, so he's got a guaranteed shot for a month if he goes there at least. Juventus, obviously, they've lost Fagioli and Pogba to suspension and they're playing kids there. So that's why they wanted Calvin Phillips and Hoiberg. But they've got no money either because they, they wanted to loan both and couldn't afford to pay for either. So it's very difficult as to what we actually do and what happens. But yeah, I, I do think we're doing him a bit of a disservice. He has been our best midfielder of the season, I think, most consistent anyway. He's more than... You know, adept to playing in the system. I honestly think what's happened is it's come in, and maybe Alan can shed a bit of light on this as a, as a former player, where like you, you get the nod that a bigger team is coming in, and it's gone, right, okay, I'm out, I'm, I'm not playing, I don't want to get injured, um, I, I want to get a move. And I reckon that's probably more likely what's happened, because aside from, I don't think he did anything wrong in the Bournemouth game, no one played well in that first 25 minutes, they were all crap. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's very unfair to single him out and say, no, you're not playing again. He obviously got a two-minute run against United, made a very vital foul, if you like, which he got a yellow card for, didn't have, hasn't played since. I probably reckon it's more on the lines of we're moving you out because you want to leave rather than you're not good enough to play in the system, personally. What's your thoughts on that, Alan, in terms of uh, a player getting interest from a bigger club? Yeah, I I think a lot of this would be that because he's, he's a good player. Yes, you know, I do like I like him a lot. Um and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I've never looked at him at all. He hasn't got the pace to play in the Premier. I think he's, I do think he's been forest, you know, better player. Um, but if if his head's being turned, you know, he, the, he's basically gone. I just think it's the, the best thing for Forrest to do. Is I can't see Forrest alone alone. I'll be brutally honest with you. I just don't see alone in, in this situation. There's, there's a couple of whispers the financial fair play where Forrest need to bring money in. So. If the player's gone to the manager and like and expressed his desire to go, well, then the manager's not going to pick him. That's just a fact. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I don't, I can't ever remember playing with any player who's gone to the manager that I want, uh, you know what, these are interesting to me, I'd like to leave. And the manager says, okay, let's see what we can do, but you're playing week in, week out, it just doesn't happen. You know, if yeah. his head's not at Forest, we'll then take him onto the side. Um, and I, I, I do think it is an area where Forrest are massively overloaded. You know, yeah, he's probably the best one, but you can you can adapt. You can, you know, I love Yates. Yates is like seems to me a lot like Marmite with a lot of Forest fans. But every time I watch it, as a player, as a, as a player playing with him and as a manager, he's an absolute. He's a dream because whether he plays good, bad, or indifferent, he covers every single blade of grass. He'll tackle everything what moves. And he just gives absolutely everything. So as a manager, he's an absolute dream. I wouldn't be surprised if he's Nuno's main man in that midfield because he does everything what you'd ask. You know, you could ask him to run, go and you know, run through a brick wall. The kids would do before you. So I, I'm, 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 and I've tweeted about him all the time. I'm a massive fan of his. I think the kid's absolutely brilliant. Um, it's took him a while to, you know, to 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 grow into the Premier League football, but it takes everyone a while. You know, no one, no one comes up from the Championship and just absolutely smashes the arse out of the Premier League. It's a, it's a it's a massive step up. So, but just going back in there on him, I, I, I can see him leaving, but I can't. I, I'd be absolutely astounded if he leaves on the loan deal. I really would. Yeah, who who would you, who would you say is is other than Yates? Then who would you say that is that person to maybe partner him or even be instead of Yates? Because we've got a lot of good players in there: Dominguez, Danilo, Sangare. They're all they're all capable. That's that's the thing. There's options there, and I just think. I like Danilo from what I've seen him, but he's very young, isn't he? And he, the problem with Danilo is he's, he's, is he 20, is he? 21, 22. 20, so, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a young lad. And he, this is the, this is the other problem. And it's whether Nuno can, can, whether he's prepared to accept that you are going to get some amazing games from him, but you are going to get some shockers from him as well, because he's, he's still learning the game. You know, he's new into the Premier League as well. But I do like him. I think he's a very good player. You know, I'm sure it was Arsenal who were linked with him a couple of years ago for massive money. Mm. Yeah, they were. So, yeah, so th- there is options there. And if, if there's one area where Forrest overloads, there is the midfield area. Yeah. I think the, the, the one area that we are a bit light on early is is, is up front. I mean, Gibbs, White, Alanga and, and Wood seem to have been the prevalent ones. Hudson Adore has been very in and out. Uh, I'd be interested to hear what Alan's thoughts on, on Hudson and Toy is in a bit. Um, what, what, have, what have you made of, of, of our forward players? And, and we, we, we do need a reinforcement out wide, but Anthony Alanga has been absolutely outstanding this season yeah. so far. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's for me, the signing of the, the summer for us. Um, I mean, I stick by. I got a bit of stick from United fans on Twitter, as you do when you dare to like say anything negative about Man United on social media. Um, but I, I actually made the point that he should be playing at Man United in their current. Elanga's, if United were still challenging for titles, Elanga wouldn't get in their team. But in their current plight and in their current situation, what would United fans love to see? A homegrown kid come through the ranks, playing week in week out. Why they didn't give more of an opportunity to him? Um, is a complete mystery because he's been absolutely brilliant for us. Um, I still maintain he's a little bit different to Brennan Johnson. Obviously, the comparisons will come because he's going to play in the same position as Johnson did. Um, But yeah, I think any kind of critics that he had when we signed him have quickly been dispelled. Um, The challenge now is to probably sign another player for a similar fee um, who's got very similar qualities to Alanga, um, which is obviously going to be a bit of a conundrum in January because it's a tough market to, to shop in. Uh, but yeah, I've been quite quite impressed. I think the striker situation is a bit of a concern. I think even when a one year is fit, 
it's just a case of when's he going to get injured again because he doesn't seem to get niggles. He seems to get injuries that keep him out for three or four months. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to see another striker and a winger come in. Uh, but obviously, that is asking a lot for, for such a difficult transfer window. Rhys, what have you made of, of hudson Adoy overall this season? Because he's been very, very hit and miss. And and I think you made a good point on the last part that you can see why we bought him for, for three million quid rather than 20 million. Yeah, but I, I said that because obviously his injury record, isn't it? He had that, you know, when he burst onto the scene, like I said, you know, Bayern Munich were looking to spend 60, 70 million on him. He was in the England team before I think he'd even played for Chelsea. So he was clearly massively rated all through the system. You know, it's a shame he's had these injuries. Um, and that's why we have picked him up for 3 million. You know, th- this is something Alan may be able to answer. But when you've had like serious injuries and you you're a player uh, based on explosiveness, it might just be kind of a mental thing where you think in your back of your head, I don't just want to push myself that extra because I don't want something to go. Um, but I mean, Hudson, Hudson Adoy, when he obviously first signed, he scored that absolute world against Burnley, didn't he? And then he's kind of been in and out of the team since. But um, yeah, you've got to, as well, and this is repeating myself from the last pod, you've got to give him kind of a run in the team, haven't you? What, I mean, what's he played? A couple of back-to-back games, maybe? Mm. Every player needs running runs in teams to get going, to get match sharp. You can clearly see Hudson Adore's got ability. So if he's fit, you know, like Christian said, we've only got two natural wingers. This is the system we're going to play four, two, three, one. He's got to play for me. If we haven't got another, if we're not going to bring in another winger until we do, because we do need one. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll see with Hudson or what will happen. I mean, what did you think on that point, Alan? Where you know, when you've had a bad injury as a player, you kind of might be a little bit of a mental thing where you might not go that extra inch to push yourself. When you do, I mean, it's like it's you know. Looking at my own career, like I never, I never had an injury in my career until I snapped my cruciate playing for Forest. Mm. You know, I never missed any games, and I was, I had rap, I was explosive, I had pace to burn, and then I lost the yard of pace. And you kind of constantly in the back of your mind all the time. You know, my knee was never right. I'd, I'd, I used to get my knee drained before every game, and then I'd get it drained at half time and drained after the game to get the fluid off. So when you've had bad injuries like that, I mean, I was never the same player at 24. I might as well just packed in at 24, really. I went on and carried on and played, obviously, but I retired at 28. So once you have bad injuries, it's on the back of your mind all the time. You know, you, you've only got to look at Michael Owen. Michael Owen come on the scene as a 17-year-old and was the best player in, that, that anyone's ever seen for a long, long time. And then he, he, he tore his hamstring, like basically ripped it off the bone. He was never the same player after that. Yeah, he had a good career, but went on. But he wasn't a Michael Owen who everyone's seen. For I'd say Michael Owen from the age of eighteen to twenty-one was as good as you'll see as a centre forward. But after he had his bad injuries, you know, and it does play, it takes its toll. Now I'm not too sure about the the injuries what um, what he's had, but um, on your other point, he does. It, you need to find out whether he's he's still got it. I mean, the only way you do that is you, he needs ten games. You got to play him. And let them, you know, let them find out for me because a peak, uh, a peak, uh, Dutton Hoyer is and a Langer on the other side. I mean, that's that's quite a potent threat. If them two can get their peak form, that's a serious threat. What Forrester got in the wide areas, but the only mm-hmm. way you're going to find out is if you still got it by giving the lad 10 games. And if he's not producing, he's not then, then you're right, okay, we, we've got to go in. I don't see Forrest signing any wide plays in there this transfer when they'll be surprised, but you've got to give him a run of games to see whether he can still do it. And if not, yeah. then you can address that in the summer. 
it's it's such it's such a hard window to to operate. And uh, someone in the comments has just said Callum Hudson and I played thirty eight times for Leverkusen last season. So let's say he's played fifty games since he returned from injury. So he'd assume Callum Hudson and I is is finished. But I, w- I wouldn't rule him out too far. Uh, Christian, we'll we'll just quick word on strikers before then we we uh, give Alan a barrage of of questions because that's what we've got him on for at the end of the day. Um, what what have you made of? Uh, I mean, Chris Chris Wood's kind of like. Gave everyone a bit of a maybe gave everyone a bit of a different opinion on him by scoring that hatch against against Newcastle and looking a bit of a different player since Nuno's come in. Tywo, we know, has had his injury problems. Origi looks like a player that we we might well part ways with this, this window and send him back out to send him back to AC Milan. What what have your thoughts on on that forward line? Uh, if Origi goes back, we'll need someone else in. Basically, I think because we you, you can't have. You know, uh, two strikers and one of them has been injured for. I, I, I refuse to believe this notion that Tywo is injury prone, but ultimately he's had two seasons now where he's going to be out for three months minimum each. Not for no fault of his own. I mean, obviously, you know, it was our fault how he was bad. Um, you know, I, I, I refer back to Southampton game last year where he asked to come off. 10 minutes later, he had to come off. He was literally carried off. And it's sort of like, you know, things could have been so different. Because and even the West Ham game, it felt like we brought him back a bit too soon. I don't know, we played an hour and scored. But obviously, he didn't get, he didn't get injured because he hasn't fully healed it. So, you know, I think if Origi goes back, we need someone else, definitely. But um, the way Wood's playing, I mean, what worried me was that the Wood against Blackpool was the Wood that, you know, Reese was the one lambasting for most parts of this season. But then you, you see him, obviously, I guess the thing, he's in those positions, I suppose, whereas before he wasn't. So... I'd be fairly confident with Woods and A and other, and then before Tyro comes back. But yeah, if Origi goes in, we're gonna to have to get someone else in, even on loan. Yeah, uh, the last the last one I've got on this current season for you, Alan, and before everyone else then ask ask stuff about your career and and other things around the season to you and and your opinion. Um, what what have you made of Morgan Gibbs White this season? Because he's obviously our talisman, and then since Nuno's come in, he seems to have found. Not only his right position in that number ten role, but he's found his scoring boots finally as well. No, I've always been a big fan of his. I think I think the kid's got so much natural ability; it's untrue. Um, well, I've got to be honest. When the manager come in, I was thinking he could be done here because it was him. You know, the the rumour has it he never really seen eye to eye at Wolverhampton. But what I liked about uh, Gibbs White is he come out and said he was a young boy then. You know, he was he was he's more mature now. So. Obviously, he's going down the right path. Listen, I think he's a top, top draw player. What I will say is, for his ability and what he does on the pitch, there has to be more end product, in my, in my opinion. He should be scoring 10, 15 Premier League goals a season. And I'd love to see it. And I do think he will do. I think he'll get there. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's top draw, but I would love to see him getting more, you know, get a shooting boot on. And, you know, if he, if, he, if he scores 10 Premier League goals a season, Forrest will have absolutely no issues at all. Yeah, definitely. My, uh, I've actually got a question for you, Alan, on Gibbs White, actually. If, if he does become the 10, 15 goal talisman that we kind of want him to be, how long do you actually think Forrest could keep hold of him? See, it's all, it's, the thing, when I watch him play, it's, he can't just, he kind of plays like with an absolute freedom of Forrest. Like, um, he's idolised at the club, and sometimes that that's more than anything. It really is because if you go to a big club, you know, if if you have if you have a little dip in a, in a game, you know, the the fans are on your back straight away. So I I think he could be a Forrest a very very long time. 
let's hope so. I suppose Brennan Johnson's experiencing that now at Tottenham, isn't he? Um, he's had a little dip in form, and all, all of a sudden you see bits and bobs that he's uh, he's struggling as well. So yeah, it's just interesting because I think that's the one thing that kind of is the reason that we would keep him if he doesn't add the goals to his game. I can't see a big club actually going and getting him. I think he will then be built for ages. But if he starts scoring fifteen twenty a season, I just fear that um, someone's going to come in with a ridiculous bid from you know one of the sky six, I suppose. Yeah, but the thing is, is like a Forrester pushing on, which you know the, the, this owner's he's got his clear intention is to push Forrest on, you know, as much as he can. So it's Forrester a mid to top end Premier League side. He's playing week in, week out. Mm. You know, the finances in football anyway, he's going to be paid well regardless, you know, what club he's at. Um and sometimes he, he just seems the type of lad who just thrives on enjoying his football with a, and with a freedom, and he's got all of that. And for me, that's more than anything. You know what? What, as you say, what if he goes to the Tottenham and for fifty million quid, and there's a massive pressure on him? You need to produce straight away. It doesn't quite work out. You know, you've got to take all them things into fact. You know, he has. It, if he has three or four bad games for Forest, it's fine. The fans are not going to get in his back. You know, they know he'll flip it round. That doesn't happen at these huge clubs. You know, it's instant and some players crumble under the big price tag. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Definitely. Reese. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll go with a question from this season, Alan. So, you know, Forrest obviously made a big signing in the summer for, you know, uh, financial-wise in, in Sangare. What have you made of him so far? And do you think he kind of needs some time to really settle into English football? Yeah, I'm, I've not seen a great deal, you know, too much of him, but it's, it's, it is difficult, you know, for the, un, under Steve, you know, for, he's coming into a real, it's basically Forrest was a struggling side up to three or four games ago. You know, and the amount of pressure and it, it's a difficult situation to come into for big money to go in and, and produce straight away when the confidence of the old side and the club is not great. It's quite difficult. You know, I do think, I do think under Nuno, you see a lot of a lot of these players, you know, they, they'll, they'll find the feet and step up to the plate. You know, it's a different, he seems to be, what I found with Steve is he, he's kind of like, he was terrified to get beaten in, which is rightly slow. When, when, when you're on a dip, when you're on a form of what, uh, Forrest were before the managerial change. All all of the focus is like trying not to concede, don't get beat. Where Nuno's coming with a bit of a fresh approach, so you know he'll probably get a run of games, and you know, you might see the play well, you know, what Forrest signed in the summer. Christian, yeah, no, I, I hope that's the case. I mean, I, I'm obviously a big Sangari fan in this podcast, and we think that yeah, I'm really giving a lot of time. I think I'm. Um, it's quite interesting the way that you sort of describe about like how we're very fairly as well. We've seen that with Johnson this season where you go to a bigger club and like the expectation is that you hit the grounds running from the get go. If you don't, then you're pretty much cast aside. And I think as, as a fan base, we've been very impatient with Sangare, but afforded that patience to other players. It's just been a bit frustrating, but I suppose that comes with a big price tag and that sort of thing. Um, I suppose just like going back to, you know, just you as a player. I mean, you mentioned it earlier about um, obviously your injury, and 
Am I right in saying that was in your first spell at Forest? Or was that yeah, so yeah, so yeah, it, it's I signed I signed and we won the league, then we uh, we, we got promoted to the Premier, we got relegated. And then after the season, after that, I, that's when I had the 11 goals and I, you, you feel like kind of untouchable. Hmm. And then I started the next season and I, I think I scored three in about the first eight or nine games and snapped me cruciate at Gillingham away. So, yeah, that was kind of like... And then I got rushed back. I don't know whether you remember, I got rushed back. I was playing again after five months and then my knee just went again. Yeah, yeah I mean, I've that's, that's not good, <laughs> no. Um, but I suppose, did you have like... I suppose facts forget everything. I mean, they always say that you know, never go back to an old club or whatever else, especially in football, because like more often than not, it doesn't end very well. Do you have any reservations about coming back to Forest at all? First on loan and then permanently afterwards. No, because when when we went, I mean, when me and Andy Imps come to to Forest and be signed on loan from Leicester, I mean, Forest were in a terrible situation, um, and we we both done really well, and you know the club stayed up quite comfortably, and then obviously. You know, I come back signed permanent on a, on you know looking forward to it, and then Chucky coming. <laughs> now Mego. Any any thoughts on him, Alan? I know uh, you've uh, you've had your thoughts on on, on your under the cosh episode, but um, <laughs> and you were you were quite. Yeah, I don't think you held back any bars. No, I just I found I just found the whole situation under him. You know, I've, I've mentioned this quite a lot on podcasts. I just found the whole thing bizarre with him. It was completely and utterly, and I still say to this day, it was like nothing to do with me or any players. It was like, and I genuinely believe he, he come into Forest to try and damage the club. That's my honest honest belief about it because he tried to sign me for big money at West Brom, and I turned him down. So it wasn't the fact that he didn't want me because he's tried to sign me twice prior to that. Um, so then when he come in, I mean, his first words, the first words to me, he shook me hands and didn't want to finish you with this club. They, they, they were his first words to me. And you're kind of like, is this the fucking fella right? And then, you know, he got all the other senior players like Dave Johnson, Paul Gerald, Paul Evans. We were, they were building the academy then and they were kind of, we were sent, right, you're not allowed to get changed in the changing room. You all get changed there. And you think, why would any manager come in? Uh, Marlon King was the other one and send seven of the senior players to a container. Like, it was basically a container base where we got showered in. It was a container base with benches and little pipes for showers. That was it. And, you know, can you imagine if Nuno come in and just said that to the five or six most experienced players? Hi, lads, uh, you don't get changed here. There's a hut over there. See you later. You're straight away on the back foot as a manager because, like... We're all mates together in changing rooms, and I just found the whole thing with Megson. And we even speak to this day, some of the old players, like it, we genuinely believe he come in to damage the club. Yeah, something I will agree on with you, Alan, is I, I generally think he was the worst manager we've ever had. I know a lot of Forest fans will, will have their opinion, and a lot, I think, would probably say David Platt, but with... With most managers, they usually get like a little tiny bit of an impact. And what I remember from Megson's reign was literally there was no impact at all. And, you know, he, he oversaw some of the worst results in the Cups in his history, you know, losing to Chester and Woking. And we didn't beat, we took a replay to beat Weymouth. Yeah. And I always remember as a young kid, was losing, I think it was 3-0 at home to Plymouth. And Plymouth must have brought like four and a half thousand and... I still remember a fan <laughs> chucking their season ticket at him in the technical area. Um, but some, something 
uh, Christian just mentioned. So you obviously came back under under Joe Kinnear. Yeah. And that season, um, he brought you back in. It, Joe actually had a really positive impact and he, he got yeah. us safe by quite a bit, aside from yeah. I remember him calling Derby another game, which went down quite well. I mean, yeah. how come the season after under Joe, it kind of just fell apart and then, as you say, Chucky come in? Joe was a funny one. I mean, he comes in and like he, he was, uh, he was kind of like a player's player, and he was, he was like everyone, everyone really liked him. But then he just, I've got to be honest with you, he kind of, he just went a bit, he went a bit off, off it. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a bit. He was a bit strange the second season. Like the, when he first got there, he was all over. He was the coaching was good, the training was good. And I don't know, it just you just got the sense of like he kind of run out of ideas a little bit. And you were like we were like we were losing games and you're like, but you you're repeating the same stuff, we're doing the same things, you know, switch things up and change it. And he just didn't, and it was a bit of a struggle. So yeah. I mean, I, I like Joe, but the second season he kind of did it, it was a strange old season under him then. Maybe maybe you needed Andy Johnson back with you, Alan, to to bring back the the crazy gang days. <laughs> I'm joking here, but um, someone on Twitter, uh, Tom Newton, asked, um, "How did you react when Pierre Van Hooydonk came back from his strike?" I mean, I've just seen at the weekend, Jaden Sancho has been an absolute—I don't know what you want to call him—a wet wipe at Man United. He's gone to Borussia Dortmund, got an assist on his debut back there. <laughs> so, um, just yeah, strange. Well, I, I can give you a bit of an—I can give you a bit of an insight uh, on Jaden Sancho. And the kid's done nothing wrong. And I know this from my fact as a good mate of mine's an, an academy coach at United. So I can give you a bit of an insight there. The lad's actually done nothing wrong. Nothing at all. He was training with the first team. He got told that the first team were going to do some shape. He went over and coached, trained, done an extra bit of small-sided games. And then all he done is he went back over to the first team and asked him to do some crossing and finishing to finish the game. And he, he got told, no, go away. This is the first team. That's all the kid's done. And he said, I want to do some extra. And he got told to go in. And then the manager called him out and said, that's a huge wrong. I don't see where he's gone wrong there, personally. Mm-hmm. And as a player, why would you apologise for asking to do some extra training at the end, some crossing and finishing? Yeah. So, well, what, what was your thoughts on Pierre then, uh, when he come back, obviously? I, I, I know I've heard you, you what you said on, on Under the Cosh, but I'm sure there's more to it. <laughs> no, but listen, I was only 20, I think, then when, when you know, I was only young and we had a lot of senior players, you know, who, you know, I weren't in the position to say anything. We were all pissed off. Don't get me wrong, we were all pissed off at the club because I'll still say, maintain to this day, Forrest wouldn't have gone that long without Premier League football if the club didn't sell all of the players what we did at the time. We had a real, that, that, that uh, league winning side was a really strong core side. And if they'd have added one or two bits of quality to that side, we'd have comfortably, comfortably stayed in the Premier League, comfortably. You know, but then you lose Coop, you lose the captain, um, you lose Kev Cams, you know, Kev Campbell and Pierre Van Oudonk, you know, at their peak, cause anyone, any team in the Premier League problems on the day. And they score goals and to, to get shut of one was criminal. But then when Pierre goes on strike, I get he was pissed off, we were all pissed off, but to go on strike was the complete and utter wrong thing to do. Um, it was the more the senior players. I mean, I, rem- I, I remember Jeff Thomas was out injured for a time, and he was like, Jeff was a Jeff's a hard man, by the way. And Jeff told Pierre in no uncertain terms what he thought of him that went on his first day. I thought Pierre <laughs> was going to shit his pants. 
<laughs> but Jeff Thomas was the one, and then you had, you know, we had the other senior players. Like, but it was just uncomfortable as well. I don't think it helped us as players either because it was like you'd come in, you'd get changed, everyone would piss off out, and it was just an uncomfortable situation. Um, you know, and I probably I don't know whether Piers ever spoke about it. I think he must deeply regret what he done because um, it helped no one. It helped him or the club. Yeah, well, his, his lad plays, so hopefully, don't give the same advice. Does his lad play? Does he? I believe so. I think he plays in a in the Serie A. All oh, right. Yeah. Has he got the same teeth? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> he literally looks like a younger version of him. Does he, poor kid? Yeah. <laughs> Lee. Um, yes. I had, yeah, I was just going to ask you, obviously, when you, you signed for Forrest initially from Tranmere, lots yeah. of new signings tend to talk about Forrest having this like air of expectation among the fan base and that. And I just wondered if it was something that you kind of spotted straight away and how you how you used it, you know, what coping mechanism did you use to kind of, did it drive you on to, to be the player you were at Forrest? Well, I, I I think I come under more pressure than anyone for a long time, replacing <laughs> players. Um yeah, but no, I mean, look, I was only a kid then and you kind of like, you know, I had full belief in my ability. And the good thing about it was Stuart Pearce was absolutely amazing with me. You know, he, he really was like, um, he called me because I was I was in talks with Blackburn at the time and he called me and was like, you know, basically, you're going to come to Forest to replace me. And like, that's it. If he says that, he, you, you can't say no, can you? <laughs> um, but he was brilliant to give me good advice about what to do. And like, to fair, I just remember the first day in training, um, we were having small side of games and I think it was with Kev Cams and like I've just gone into a challenge with Kev Cams but not gone in fully, you know what I mean? I'm new, I'm 18, I'm training or 19, whatever and it's my teammate, I, he, he just, he went berserk at me. He just was like, you fucking never do that, you fucking smash through and I'm like, I'm just looking at Cams and thinking, okay, so this, this is what it's like then and he was just like, what he was like in games that was training. Like he, he, he just absolutely iron plays in training. Like fifty fifties, he's taken everything, and he kind of. That's when it kind of dawned to be okay. So this is why he is what he is. Fair play, Reese. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll come back to um, kind of. I'll, I'll make this like a double-edged question. Um, so my my first year is. Um, a season ticket holder was 0203, but we'll get to that in a minute. But obviously, you you, you come in, um, and after a couple of managers, you ended up playing under David Platt. Um, I've obviously listened to your under the cosh, which I really enjoyed. Obviously, um, what what you you kind of raved about David Platt's training methods and said like he was ahead of his time. And I mean, what kind of stopped him from being a success at Forest? Was it just the basically just the recruitment? What he did was so poor, really. When you, when you look at Platy's time at Forest, it, it it wasn't it wasn't just the football inside. He he honestly he was trying to change the whole mindset of the whole club, like stuff what fans don't see, like which is is kind of a given now. You know, clubs nowadays they, they have their, they have their own chefs, they have their own nutritionists, they have their own dietitians, they have sports scientists. That wasn't what it was like back then. He was bringing that into Forest. I mean, I remember Platy honestly. I remember Platy being in the kitchen. A forest. We used to have a little fella, a little Italian fella called Jerry, and he was tell he was actually telling them what sort of um, stuff to cook and pastas, and you know you don't have this, and 
they brought he brought into the breakfast. So we'd have to come in early, like at eight thirty in the morning. We'd have breakfast. We'd have all the fruits. We'd have the cereals. He was trying to change the whole mindset of the whole club. Probably trying to do too much too soon, and it took me about six or eight weeks to actually think he's actually he's actually onto something here. The pre-season under Platt was one of the easiest pre-seasons I've ever done in my football career, and I was actually I was arguing with him, like literally arguing with him, saying it's an absolute joke. And then I remember playing the first game, and I was thinking, I can't believe how fit I feel. I felt like. 90 minutes, I could just, I was bombing like no problem. You know, in games, you get tired and you feel your legs and that, but I've never felt so fit after. And he was just kept saying to us, trust me, trust the process, trust me. You know, your heart, the heart monitors, we all used to wear the heart rate monitors and the watches and everything. And like, you'd, you'd, you'd be like, you'd have to shout out to someone on the side, like, my heart's this, and he's like, step out, stop training. And I hated that. And I'm like, is this a piss take? Because normal managers, you know me, like, on pre-season, you normally carry on till you spew up and then you get five minutes and you've got to carry on again. And that's what it was like. But he just changed the whole mindset. And I know a lot of fans find it in disbelief, but it's training methods and everything. It's the best training I've ever done. Everything was explosive, short, sharp, explosive. Everything was on a clock, on a timer. Everything was, you know, written down. It was, it was absolutely brilliant. And I think if you just look back, we, we nearly, I know we nearly got relegated that season. It was the season I had... I had my best year. I scored 11 goals that season under him. I had about 14 assists. And he just, we were just felt we were just coming, you know, coming again. And then obviously he, um, he took the England job. Yeah, I mentioned the 0203 season about my first as a season ticket order because that, that introduced me to the, the boost bar game between us and Leicester. I mean, what was yeah. your memory? What was your memories of that game? I fucking knew it. I think it was Matty Elliott. <laughs> Matty Elliott. When we were getting on the coat off the coach because they were giving them out, yeah, and the last lad says you are getting them today, and I was like, no, <laughs> Mickey Adams, because someone threw it on me and I caught it, and I don't know whether you remember, I opened it and had a bite. Okay, I was about, I was about to mention that. Didn't you eat one? Yeah, and you know, Mickey Adams find me for eating during the game. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, and I'm best mates with Mickey Adams now. He looks after my lad, and I, I always laugh about that. And he was just can't because uh, I mean I think we were winning and uh, Forrest scored the late equaliser if I remember. Yeah, two two it was I think. Yeah, I think I don't know whether it was Jack Lester who scored the late equaliser. Can't remember now. And like he can't have seen his arsenal and said you're fine for fucking eating Jordan the game. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> really? Yeah, I can remember being sat in the main stand and literally absolutely raining down onto the pitch, which was a yeah. nice introduction to football as an eleven-year-old. I think it was then. <laughs> you probably threw one. <laughs> yeah, I don't, and my dad might have done it. I don't think about me. I'm probably like, what the hell is this? But I'm not sure if my dad might have threw one or not. I'm not too sure. What was oh, better, Alan? Getting a boost bar thrown at you or Forest fans chucking fake fivers at Derby fans? Well, it's got to be but it's got to be the Derby fans, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alan, obviously you played for obviously Forest and Leicester in the Prem. I think I've just got it here. It's like... Uh, Pretty impressive, actually. Fifty-five appearances, four goals, and three assists in the Premier League. Yeah, how like? I mean, it's pretty impressive. I mean, in terms of like, obviously, you're most of a struggling club. Obviously, Forest was a bit of a joke the first time. Obviously, selling all your, a bit like Sheffield United this season, really selling your best players upon getting promoted and just getting cooked. But obviously, yeah. um, Leicester got promoted, and you had them as well. Obviously, stayed in the Prem for a little bit. How just how hard is it compared to? 
what comes before. Like, how big is the gap? And obviously, we we keep seeing it now. We're sort of saying how is ever extending it is because of parachute payments and stuff. But even twenty years ago, just how much harder was it, even for settled size like newly promoted? Yeah, look, I mean, I I was fine. The season Forest got promoted, I, I felt absolutely fine. I struggled after my injury. So when I I think I scored four goals for Forest. I think I was Forest top goal scorer in the Premier League that season. I, I think, think me and Pierre Van Oudon were top goal scorer on four. <laughs> but I, that was probably my best season, um, you know, playing-wise. You know, I, I felt absolutely great. It was just when, when I snapped my knee after that, I was never the same player anyway. So I went to Leicester, we won the league, we, we got promoted at Leicester and I was absolutely fine playing. I played left-back for Leicester in the Premier League, but I just, I wasn't, I was never the same player as I was for the first three or four seasons of Forest because of obviously the injury. Um, and at that, at the time at Leicester, I'd also had another two uh, knee surgeries as well. So, look, it's a big step up, but you know, I just feel that the Forest side, see, the, the Leicester side, what got relegated and then we got promoted again, that was a really aging Leicester side. You know, we had the likes of Les Ferdinand, we had Paul Dickoff, we had Brian Dean, Matty Elliott, Jerry Taggart. Uh, Frank Sinclair, you know, it was it, they, they were all getting on. They were all getting on in, in years. When I look at the Forest side, what got promoted, you know, there was a lot of us who were young or the others were in their prime. You know, I think Steve Stone also got sold, didn't he? Steve Stone was 27. Um, Coops, Coops is an England international. You know, so when, when I look at the two sides, it's kind of chalk and cheese. I just felt the Forest side at that time, if we'd have added to it, we'd have been a totally different side. So I found the Premier League quite comfortable in me Forest spell. Uh, when I went to Leicester, it was different because I'd obviously I had the knee injuries and I wouldn't say a struggle, but it was kind of like I certainly wasn't the player who was at Forest. Before um, last last few questions, Alan, um, I don't know if you can see this. Um, so that's Reese's dog Gromit. Um, his, his missus has uh, put a question. He, uh, the, the dog would like to know who was the best player you played with. How much did you pay you to ask that? Oh, not enough. Not enough money, mate. Yeah, how how who who was the who was the who was the best player you played with at Forest and why? Scott Gamble, I've I've said this a few times. I mean, I don't think like people realise, you know, like you just used to hear his little squeaky voice all the time. You, you, when you you know, there's nothing as a fullback, especially, you know, you've had, you if you can't get your winger, you want to try and go into your midfield man or your front man. And every time you, you you know you're in a little bit of trouble, he'd just scream, give me the ball, like yes, thank, and he just pop it. And he never used to lose the ball. He was he was a player's dream, Scott. I loved playing with Scott Gemmon. Fair enough. Good as his dad then. <laughs> yeah, well, his dad's weren't bad neither. <laughs> no, no, he weren't. Lee. Um, yeah, well, I, my last question was is probably going to steal Reese's thunder a little bit because I think we both want to quiz you on the hot topic that is VAR. Um, oh, I don't, I don't really want your opinion on VAR because I think that every we all, as football lovers, we all think it's an absolute shambles. But I just think as a as a former pro, I'd, I wonder what your opinion is on what needs to change to make it better. What what would if you could just do if you went in there tomorrow, what would you do that would make it a much better system for for the game we love? I don't. I, the problem I have with, with it is, I don't think it's ever going to work. I don't think it's ever going to work because all you're doing is you're taking another three or four people's opinion over one man's opinion who's on the pitch. So. You might have an opinion on a certain player, how he plays in a game, and I might think, well, I thought he'd done all right. So it's it's again, 
it's it's opinions. And so what we've done is we've got the referee, which let let's get it right before before this nonsensical system come into place. There was nothing wrong with our football. There's nothing wrong with our game. If you got a bad decision, you're just like, yeah, the ref got it wrong. Now what we're doing is we're taking the enjoyment away from it. Fans don't like celebrating goals. Players don't because it's got to go to a, a monitor where there's three or four people watching the same thing. Now, you you go and any you you put a penalty decision on and you put three or four people in the room. Not all of them are going to say the exact same thing. I think that's a pen. Oh, I'm not too sure. They'll all have different opinions. So all we've done with this VAR now is we've just we've allowed more opinions on on a, on a decision on the pitch, and I just think it's wrong. And I, ju- I, I genuinely don't see the standard of refereeing in this country is absolutely shocking anyway. And this is the other problem I have with it. So we've got referees who retired because they wasn't good enough. And they're the ones who were trying to make the decisions in the uh, VAR room. I just think the whole system's flawed. I genuinely do. Yeah, you stole my thunder so you can you can move on with your question, Christian. I'll let you have yours. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Oh, I, I, to uh, double sit the nice thing, Reese. I'll ask one that you probably would have thought of anyway. Alan, in your time at Forest, um, I'll end with a, a bit of a jovial one. What are your... So say, say you're in a building and it's burning and all your Forest kits are there, like home away, whatever else. If you could pick two to run out with, what would you take? Um... The one more I don't have it's the the uh, the red the plain red one with pinnacle across it and that's top what you've got I love that one. Yeah, it's a good pairing that season. It's a shame we got relegated in it really because it's like yeah, good, it's a nice set of kits. Great kits, yeah. Yeah, 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 they were, they were, and yeah. So I lo- I used to love the red one like the just the plain red one with pinnacle across, and I always yeah. used to wear the long sleeve ones, proper kit. I remember you used to wear long sleeves. Yeah, I was thinking, like, yeah. I think. But it's weird because my first Forest game was in that season we went down. It was 98-99 and yeah. we beat Sheffield Wednesday 2-0. That's good, um, that game. You did, yeah. You and I think well, you, you exactly. scored the first Forest game. So, yeah, it was um, you and Hugo Perforio, I believe. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Mark Crossley saved the penalty. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think you're partially responsible for my downfall, really. He's a point. I'll accept that. Go on, Reese. Go on, I will ask one final one up because I did touch on this about the David Platt with the recruitment. I mean, every Forest fan always goes on about the free Italians he signed. I mean, what were them free like? Were they just not up to it, or was it just one of them really? No, the uh, the centre half was a proper player. Mm, was um, it Machicano? I think that was him. One. There was one who was about seventy. Yeah, Manini. Yeah, him. Yeah, Matricano was, was a younger one. Yeah, Matricano. He was a good player. Then he was, was a very good player. The mm. winger was an absolute. Patraki. I hated him. Patraki. Yeah, I nearly killed him at Ipswich away. <laughs> yeah, so my brother had him on the back of his shirt. Yeah, one of my <laughs> one of my early Forest games was against Barnes, and he actually played quite well in that game for Tracky. Um, so yeah, ability. Yeah, ability. Yeah, because as, as a kid, I always say, oh, he was okay. Because obviously, I seen him in that game when I was young, and he, he seemed okay. But yeah, how come it just didn't? How come it just didn't work for him at Forest? Any reasoning or? But the other, the old, the, the old, he was just fucking. I mean, he, I think he was about thirty-eight when he signed, and it was yeah, just kind of like yeah. this is. You know, we looked at him, and you, you know, sometimes when you get a player in, like Petraki had presence. He he was a good, but he had a bad injury. He got a, a bad yeah, he did, yeah. But he, he was like he was a rash in training. He'd be all over you. He'd throw you everywhere. He could defend. The other fella was just like he couldn't move, and you're like, 
you know, how have, you, how have we got him in here? The winger was a he had so much ability, but I always remember the Ipswich away one when we went one nil up at Ipswich away. Um and playing really well. And Jamie Clapham's the left back and he just let him run and he crossed it and he scored. And he just stood there, they were all screaming at him, and he's just throwing his arms at to say, Fuck off. I mean, he nearly got killed at half time in the changing room. But that was what he was like. He, he thought no defensive responsibilities was needed. Yeah. Different game, different game. Yeah. I mean, like so, coming from Serie A, where where like it was the pinnacle of, of football. I remember Goal Lazio when I was a kid, and, yeah, and like you had, all, you had all the stars there. Then it all they yeah. all moved over into England and Spain and that. But my my first memory of you, Alan, is on a game called Premier Manager '98, and I got Forest bankrupt because I signed Andrei Shevchenko for a million quid and I paid him a million pound a week because I was only five years old. I didn't know how the game worked, um, but you was always the first to leave, and I was always gutted because <laughs> you'd scored so many goals from left back. But Alan, thank you very much for, Jeez, for coming on. We'd love we'd love to have you on again in the future. Um, yeah, good to show. Any, anything anything for you to to plug? I know you're hot on the cryptocurrency, but any podcast boot room is that still going? No, we've well? not really done the boot room podcast for a long time. I don't know why. It's just kind of um, Jamie's uh, son's a good little football player, and he's doing really well over there. And he's spending a lot of time. You know, as you know, I follow my lad around, he's doing well at Burnley, but I think he's just because he's busy at the minute. We just we haven't done one for about three or four months now, so it's kind of think I think it's finished that to be honest with you. Oh, well, you can come back on here anytime, mate. We'll, we'll, we'll gladly have you on. I'm sure Jeez, you give, give everyone <laughs> tell everyone what, what you think of them. That's that's how we roll normally, <laughs> say how it is. But thank Jeez, you very boys. much, Alan. Cheers, yeah, thank you, Alan. Take care, now. see you later. Well, guys, that was Alan Rogers. Thank you very much for him joining us. Um, guys, any anything else to add to, for today's episode? Anything you want to say? Just just covering the predictions, isn't it, for his next two? Oh, yes. Right, yeah, well, we've got a matter of Blackpool away on Wednesday night. Um, and then Saturday evening, we play Brentford. Uh, not to give plugs to Sky, but it's on Sky, I believe, I'd have thought, or BT. I don't bloody know these days. Reese, you going? The two men on the yeah. ground. Oh my goodness. Um one, one ground left to do in the Premier League after that. That palace. That that's palace, that, yeah. Well, I've been there, so no Show, no no oh, hard feelings. Shows Lee Wood <laughs> this season and you got a nil nil and I got a Lee Wood knocking out a Leeds fan, so I'll take that. Well hopefully Brent hopefully we, we make mince meat of Brentford on, on Saturday. But let's start with you, Lee. Uh, let's have some predictions for Brentford and Blackpool. Um, I think we'll beat Blackpool, but I think it'll be tough. Um, I actually think we might go to penalties. Um, oh, God. We don't need that. <laughs> unless we're sending the kids. I think, yeah, it'll we, a, I think it'll be a draw. I think it'll be a draw, and I think we'll win on penalties. Um, I think we might beat Brentford as well, to be fair. Um, yeah, it's difficult, because obviously if we lose to Blackpool, then it might impact the... Brentford situation but yeah I think we'll go there they're not in great form are they obviously Tony's going to be back um, he can't stop scoring in practice matches so we know what's coming in that sense uh, I think we'll win and I think it'll be a, a goal fest again I'll go for a 3-2 Forest win against Brentford right okay Reese. yeah I, I mean I hope I hope we go pretty strong at Blackpool because I just don't want us to lose to a League One club because I like I say, that if that harms momentum and then people's just going to get on Nuno's back, aren't they, if he, if he sends a load of kids up there? Um, yeah, obviously, depends on what kind of team we play, isn't it? Because on the flip side, we are a bit short with the AFCON as well. Um, it wouldn't surprise me as well if it, it kind of... is it extra, It's extra time and pens, isn't it, in the FA Cup? 
they just need yeah. to get rid of extra time. You know, that that's it's just a waste of time. And to how many how many extra times are just now thirty minutes of players just clogging around, just waiting for the penalty. <laughs> um bring back so golden yeah, goal. Yeah, or silver. Can you remember the silver goal they added the Euro? I think yeah. it was Euro four. I think. Uh, I think. Greece getting taken apart. Yeah, I'm gonna say yeah, mm. one of the two. Um, yeah, so let let's go for a Forest win on penalties at Blackpool. Fuck up. Um, <laughs> Brentford. It's just a shame they've got Tony back into. That's kind of a, like a boost they need, um, and that does concern me a little bit because if Tony is fit and firing, he's, he's a really good striker at this level. Um. I do have a feeling that will be a draw. So I'm going to go for a, a Geordie Osai 2-2 for that one. Okay, Christian? Um, to be honest, I think a lot's going to depend on what happens tomorrow in terms of our rolling with um, PNS. Well, that's, that's, if, that's if we do a hero. We know what the Premier League's like. Oh, we'll, we'll know tomorrow. We'll, we'll definitely find out tomorrow, um, mm. which is going to be interesting. Um, but I think a lot depends on that. Because obviously, if... if if it turns out we are, as I suspect, we will be charged. We're going to be needed. They put a lot of pressure on us to win that Brentford game. Um, as for Brentford's, uh, sorry, Blackpool, I think we'll win. Probably dirty one nil, two one, something like that. You know, not extra time. Please, not extra time. Just get it done on the night. Uh, blow it. Let's do it first. The dream is we score three goals in the first twenty minutes, and that's it. Chill out and just and see Bristol the game City out. beat West Ham, so I can get to Ashton yes. Gate. Yeah, well, <laughs> no one. I'm on awful tide. That is, but, uh, the only positive was it Bristol City being new ground to me, and I always regret not going to the the, the Lyle Taylor game because mm. I had work until five, and I thought I'm probably not going to get there in time, so I sacked it off. Oh, that's, um, yeah, I think I've only done it, it once. But it's generally it either going to be Bristol City v Blackpool or us v West Ham. The only positive <laughs> oh, about West Ham is we'll get like 8,000 tickets, but it's going to be on a Friday night. So good luck right. to those who, if yeah. we did get through, was going to go to West Ham because it's horrid. Yeah, I think I've I done Ashton Gate once. It was in 2011. We won 3-2. Chris Boyd scored a penalty. And they had a goal that's allowed in the 95th minute for handball, which was nerve-wracking beyond belief. Um, <laughs> that was, it was us and Lee's like vying for sixth at that place. And, the, and, the, and they think they lost that day as well at Palace or something like that. But um, yeah, so it's, it's an interesting round to go to. But um, yeah, I think we'll, we'll get a job done against Blackpool. Um, as for Brentford's, very annoying that Sky have moved it to accommodate this Ivan Tony script. I mean, without wanting to go all Matt Letizia tin hat theory, but is it any real surprise that the game was pushed back an entire week, which just just happens to coincide with Ivan Tony's return? Hmm. But um, I don't know. You know how those goes. Obviously, it also depends whether we sign a centre back this week. To be honest, because if we have Wobbler against Tony, we'll lose that game. Like, there's no two ways about that. We will lose that game. So. Um, We'll have to see what happens. Or hopefully Felipe can just drain all the fluid from his knee and just play. But um, I'll still be optimistic. I'll still go see one Forest. Hopefully we could buy next year about 0.02 and Thomas Frank's in tears at full time. But it's going to be difficult <laughs> depending on availability. Um, yeah, well, 
I, I hope we get the job done against Blackpool and it's kind of a mix of a team where we don't need to risk so many first teamers, but I think we'll get it done. We'll scrape by maybe 2-1. And then Brentford is going to be really interested in them uh, because they've got no Embuermo because he was going to go to AFCON anyway, but he's actually out till March now. No Vissa. So I don't actually know who's playing out wide for for, for Brentford. So even like supply Ivan Tony. I think Lewis Potter, won't it? Lewis Potter and probably Damsgaard yeah. maybe might do is a it, job out there. Is it Godos they've got as well? No, he's out. He's at Afri- Afcon as well. Oh, oh no, he's at Asian Cup. Asian Cup maybe actually mm. Godos because I think he's Iranian. So I think he's yeah. at Asian Cup. So he's not playing. Yeah. So well, yeah. Just look at the last team. Mate. They've got they kind of played like three five two in the last game. They had that got, um, raw, raw slev on the as a right wing back. It's saying here on flash. Yeah. Scores. Well, they've got they've lost the last five games in a row, and I think they're under pressure, Brentford. So, yeah. I I I don't see why why we can't go there and 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 get a result. We should have beaten them last season, and and we threw it away in in true Forest style. But charity, I'm going to be charity FC special last season. One. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to say we'll beat them, and I think we'll beat them three uh, one. At, at, um, the new Griffin Park, as I'm going to call it, not the GTEC. I mean, it look it looks like they feel, they've they've like painted it with people in the seats just in case no one turns up. It's bloody embarrassing. I'm not going to lie, even though I don't mind Brentford. Um, so yeah, that's that's all we're going to have time for uh, on this week's Red Side of the Trent. We thank Alan Rogers again for joining us. Hopefully, we'll see him again in the future. Uh, hope everyone has a good rest of their weekend. We'll see you in midweek for a preview, which is going to be a bit different this this week because we've got no Brentford fan that's willing to step forward because I know they play also a replay, luckily, against Wolves. So that kind of balances things out for Saturday's game. All, all five of them are busy then, are they? Yeah, all five of them are busy, unfortunately. But um, we'll see you in the next one uh, for uh, the post-match with, with all four of us, hopefully, on next Sunday. Come on, you... This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 